You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome to this Analytics Tuesday episode here at Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. This episode is brought to you by 101010 as an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can only preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Five New Orleans Saints have been selected to the Pro Bowl, but fans can identify several snubs as well. We'll highlight two of the most egregious, while uh, also you know, spending some time to give some congratulations to those who did obtain the honor, although virtual, this year. Then we'll jump into our Analytics Tuesday episode first with a game-win chance breakdown. Head coach Sean Payton made a play-calling list again this week. We'll talk about which call it was and whether or not it earned him praise or criticism. And then we'll wrap up the show with a look at the offense and defensive performances for the Saints up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Despite playing 92 defensive snaps on Sunday, the Saints defense did something that may surprise you, including forcing Patrick Mahomes from historic to league worst in an important passing metric. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host over at the Locked On NFL podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. Even though it's virtual, so we're celebrating five New Orleans Saints make the Pro Bowl, but two are victims of massive snubs, or at least two. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. The Saints have five Pro Bowl players this season, Teron Armstead, Andrus Pete, Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, and Cam Jordan, all making the Pro Bowl this season which will be held virtually. Of course, the originally scheduled event was going to be on January 31st in Las Vegas, but with everything going on with COVID-19, they've decided to create a week-long series of matchups essentially over that week instead, which is going to include celebrities, NFL legends, current players, and streamers, according to the NFL website, that uh, are essentially playing with the Pro Bowl rosters in that series of matchups. So that's the way that this is going to be celebrated. But nonetheless, these guys still get Pro Bowl incentives and they still get opportunities off of it. Alvin Kamara still makes history, becoming the fifth running back to uh, make the Pro Bowl in each of his first four seasons. He joins Adrian Peterson, Ricky Waters, uh, Emmett Smith, and Barry Sanders on that list. This is going to be the third Pro Bowl nod for each Teron Armstead, Andrew Speed, and Marshawn Lattimore. And then the six for defensive end Cam Jordan, who has six and a half sacks on the season with 11 tackles for a loss and 15 hits on the quarterback. Now, there are several snubs that you could potentially point to. You could look at Ryan Ramchick, but Ryan Ramchick has struggled. He's been inconsistent this season, gave up five pressures to the Kansas City Chiefs alone and has had multiple multi-pressure games given up three or more. Um, Eric McCoy is another name that I've seen a, a few times. He's given up only 12 pressures on the season, has committed three penalties, but I think that some of it just has to do with him being young and not making news. Frank Ragnow ended up making the list out of Detroit. He's also a young center, but he's also only allowed single-digit pressures on the season, so he deserves his spot. 
We've also got other guys like Corey Lindsley, who's been battling injury that could have also taken a spot, but didn't get one. So there's a lot of population at the, maybe at that center position. I think possibly one player you could see slide you could see Eric McCoy potentially replace would be Jason Kelsey, but Jason Kelsey is the best of a horrific offensive line over in Philadelphia. So, and he's got the name recognition. So two major snubs though, for sure. Demario Davis uh, of the linebackers that have had over 500 snaps so far this season, he's number two in pressures with 27, number seven in sacks, number 15 in tackles, and he's allowed the sixth lowest completion percentage allowed amongst those linebackers as well. He only allows 7.2 yards per reception. That is the third lowest at his position of qualifying linebackers. 10 tackles for a loss or three more than Bobby Wagner. 10 quarterback hits is one fewer than Bobby Wagner, who deservedly did get a spot as a linebacker in the Pro Bowl. One player that I would easily move out of the way for Demario Davis is Fred Warner, 101 tackles, only four tackles for a loss, no sacks, no forced fumbles. He does have two interceptions and five quarterback hits, but for Demario Davis, it's 106 total tackles, 10 of which for a loss, four sacks, and 10 quarterback hits, although he has no fumbles forced or interceptions. Warner does have him beat in the coverage game when it comes to passer rating. Demario Davis allowing a 109.8 passer rating allowed, but only a 65 for Fred Warner. So there is a little bit of a difference in terms of what is most popularly known as linebacker play in terms of coverage, but just the ability in what Demario Davis does and him specifically being the best player of the Saints best and top ranked defense over the last six or 10 weeks has just something that I can't ignore. I just can't ignore that. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And I think that the fact that he still hasn't been to a Pro Bowl in his career is an absolute travesty. We had somebody in the Canal Street Chronicles group chat who called him the uh, Marcus Colston of the uh, of the defense. And so far, that's proven to be true, except at least Mario Davis has gotten an all-pro nod. The other player that I very much think deserved it but didn't get it is, of course, Trey Hendrickson, who's tied right now for second in the league with sacks with 12 and a half. TJ Watt did take the lead during the Monday night football game. He's sitting at 13. But if you look at the top five names of which Trey, uh, Trey Hendrickson is included in sacks this season, like Amy Justover at The Advocate did, you're going to notice that TJ Watt, Aaron Donald, Zadarius Smith, and Miles Garrett all made the Pro Bowl while Trey Hendrickson, who was right there tied with Aaron Donald for second place, didn't even show up on the ballot until a week or so late, despite being in the mix for the sack crown all season. Am I entirely surprised by this? Absolutely not. Trey Hendrickson is not a name that a lot of people know unless you live in New Orleans or unless you're a New Orleans Saints fan or maybe you're an FAU fan. But outside of that, not a lot of people know who Trey, uh, Trey Hendrickson is. They're learning about him right now. And of course, the fact that he wasn't on the Pro Bowl ballot to begin, which is where you probably had your biggest surge of votes, that worked to his disadvantage as well. But regardless of who snubbed, you've got five players that did make the Pro Bowl. Teron Armstead, Andrus Pete, Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore, and Cam Jordan are your five New Orleans Saints Pro Bowlers for the 2020 season. And look, I know some people are probably very upset about the idea that Andrus Pete ended up making the Pro Bowl, but look, it's not a strong position across the NFL, the left guard position, and he's one of the best in the NFL at that position, and it's the player and coach vote that pushed him over. So Let's just take the accolade for the team, ask no questions, and then we'll move on from there. Uh, coming up next, we're going to dive into our game win chance analysis from EDJ Sports. How did certain coach calls or plays affect the game win chance all throughout the game against the Kansas City Chiefs? So we'll get to that here in just a moment. And I already know the answer to this question. I'm pretty sure I know it, but I'm going to ask it because I'm hype. Are we ready for some 
football. College football heads into the bowl season, and there are big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season is finishing up with a playoff picture becoming clearer. There is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust our good friends and our exclusive partners over at betonline.ag. Sign up today and get a free account with betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for your 50% welcome bonus. They've got everything. They have all the lines that you need, even looking ahead to Friday's game against the Minnesota Vikings. The Saints right now, six and a half point favorites. There are going to be props. There's going to be so much that you can go ahead and try to increase your bankroll for the holidays through, and they're going to take care of you and help you do that over at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code, though, locked on, so you get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports experts. The holidays are about giving, so I'm going to give you a hot tip that can earn you some extra cash at this time in the year. The new Locked On Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com and your boy Q of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Lee is red hot to start the season and shares a lock of the day on every episode. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, y'all. So we are rolling right along here, getting started with our analytics Tuesday proper. Got a bunch of stuff to get through. We're going to focus on game win chance for the first segment. Seems like a lot of people really like that, where we looked at coaching decisions and Sean Payton was at the top of the list on both the worst and best coaching decisions the week before last in Philadelphia. He's found his way onto one of those lists again this week against Kansas City. And we'll also take a look at some other plays that affected game win chance as well. So I'm looking forward to this one. So we're going to start off with the fact that Sean Payton was dinged for the fifth worst coaching decision of week 15. He was responsible for a 4.1% drop in game win chance for for deciding, excuse me, to kick off rather than try an onside kick when they were down 32 to 29 in the fourth quarter. Now, this was a curious play call for me because I did feel like the onside kick was a smarter decision. Yes, you needed your defense to get a stop, but you needed that defense to get a stop no matter where it was that that drive was beginning. Because even had they kicked a field goal, it at least would have given you a chance to drive down the field and rack up another touchdown if you could, at least put you in position to have possession once more at the end of the game. The defense was already on the verge of allowing and having to defend 90 plays. It defended 92 total plays in this game. That is very hard production to deal with. Your best edge setter in the run game in Cam Jordan had gotten ejected. You know they're going to run the ball and they're going to attack that side of the field. Take the chance to at least get a possession out of it. You almost recovered an onside kick last week or the week before in Philadelphia. Hell, just try your chances again and at least give yourself an opportunity to get another stolen possession. We talked all week here on the show about how important stealing possessions and time of possessions were. The Kansas City Chiefs had 41 minutes of time of possession in this game to the Saints hardly having 19 minutes of time of possession. They didn't steal any possessions. They had maybe the one stolen possession being the safety that went out the back and of course the fumble by Patrick Mahomes. So they had a couple of them, but not enough to help turn the tide of this game. They were only able to be they were only able to really go for it on fourth down once and then they only converted one out of 11 third downs in this game. So this was an opportunity to steal away a possession, the lack of opportunities to be aggressive elsewhere throughout the game. Take it when you can get it. But there was a 4.1% game win chance drop just from deciding 
to kick it off as opposed to deciding to go for the onside kick. So here are a couple of, oh, I, I and I'll be honest, I thought that when I saw that Sean Payton made one of these lists again, and particularly when he made the list for worst coaching decisions, I thought it was going to be the two-point conversion try when they were winning, four, uh, what was it, 14 to 15 at that time after they took the lead. They were trying to go up three to try to make it a field goal to uh, to to force a tie for Kansas City. The the I, I didn't see any mention of that in, in any articles or any of the EDJ breakdowns about that being a bad coaching decision or a good coaching decision. So I assume that it's one or the other, but not to a very high percentage. The number five spot was a 4.1% game win chance. Anything below 3% game win chance is just like what would happen on a usual play anyway. So I'm assuming that it just doesn't have, didn't have that much of an effect, but that's 100% what I thought it was going to be when I saw that he made this list. Here are a couple of other plays that affected game win chance for the Saints and the Kansas City Chiefs. Drew Brees' turnover in the first quarter, the interception that he threw to Legereus Need, that cost the Saints a 9.3% game win chance. That was early in the game, though, so those percentages really move in large chunks at that time. Later in the game, however, the Saints helped themselves out. Patrick Mahomes' fumble and the recovery by Quan Alexander dropped the Chiefs' game win chance at that point, 5.6%, and the Saints made good on that by cutting the lead to 7 The Saints also massively increased their chances to win this game by forcing Kansas City to punt the ball six times. It obviously made a little bit of a difference in that they were able to keep the game close, but didn't make a a huge difference. That is tied, though, for the most amount of punts by this team all season. And in games, those came in games against the Broncos and the Chargers. And in fact, the last time that the Chiefs punted more than six times in a game was to 2017 season week 12, where they punted eight times. So New Orleans basically defended the Chiefs just as good as anybody else has this season, if not better. And then also as well as a division rival, which is very good when you're an unfamiliar opponent. Now, ironically, can't make this all positive, right? Got to look at one little tick, of course, for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, The New Orleans Saints were forced to punt eight times in this game. And Thomas Morrison looked really, really good while doing it, which, I mean, look, he got a lot of opportunities to keep his leg warm in this one, that's for sure. But the interesting thing about this is that it is the most, those eight times are the most in a game that the Saints have had to punt since, you guessed it, week 12 of the 2017 season, the exact same time that that the Chiefs punted eight times in their game, which was the most in terms of uh, the the more than what they punted in this one, the Saints had their most recent seven punt game, which came against the Los Angeles Rams in 2017, the exact same week. So pretty interesting stuff. While we're on special teams, I did get a question from a listener on Twitter. So shout out real quick to our guy, Calvin Powell, who asked about whether or not the Saints starting field position average has been impacted negatively by the absence of Deontay Harris, who of course has been injured. So I thought it would be fun to take a look at that and loot that into this little moment where we're talking about special teams. And the fact of the matter is that it has dropped a little bit, but there's a couple of different pieces of context here. So Deontay Harris returned either a punt or a kickoff in the first 10 weeks of the season. So nine games because you have the bye week. During those first nine games, 32.4 was the average starting field position for the Saints in their own territory. So seven yards beyond a touchback. That's very good. For the last five games since Deontay Harris hasn't been available to return those kicks or punts, they have been starting at their own 29.6. So it's really less than a three-yard difference. However, you have to consider that some of that field position in the last five games has to do with the defense forcing punts 
from teams deep in their own territory, as opposed to what you got with Deontay Harris, which were big explosive returns. So there is a little bit of context there that is important that if it wasn't for the defense stepping up at the same time that they've lost their return ability back there, we also have to keep in mind that Marquez Calloway was a big part of that as well during some of the time that Deontay Harris missed. So that, of course, is context as well. But I thought it was an interesting question and an interesting thing to look at. The Saints have indeed dropped a bit in terms of starting field position, but not so negatively impacted that it is cause for concern. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to wrap up the show by taking a look at uh, some more analytics. We've got a bunch coming up, including the way that the New Orleans Saints took Patrick Mahomes from historic to league worst in this game. We'll talk about that here in just a moment, but maybe you're looking to break through a wall, whether it be mental or physical. If that's the case, I've got exactly the product that you need, which is Built Go, made from our friends over at Built Bar. It's essentially an energy gel combined with a collagen protein to give you everything that you need to get through your day. And it comes in a one and a half ounce package. So you can put it in your briefcase so that you have the most focused presentation ever. You can carry it around in your golf bag to help you power through the back nine or just put it in your pocket to help you get through the day. It's a workout gel. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's basically a five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural, so it's better for the body and it comes in three delicious flavors. So it actually tastes good too. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint, which is my absolute favorite. So this is going to give you everything that you need to ignite your work, including beta alanine, B3 honey, and a kick of caffeine. And it's even going to make you look better too by promoting joint, soft tissue, skin, and hair health. So go to builtgo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you're going to get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson NFL show every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, including all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and more every weekday from the Peacock and Williamson NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our final segment of the day, wrapping up our Analytics Tuesday episode. I want to start off a play with a, a statistic and a metric where the Saints defense really proved what it did against Patrick Mahomes. I've been trying to find a way to contextualize what they did. And there's a stat that Patrick Mahomes currently is the NFL's leader in all time that the Saints actually forced him to play well below his ability. That stat is net adjusted yards per attempt. Right now, Patrick Mahomes leads that stat all time at 8.55 yards. Now, net yards per attempt essentially is passing yardage minus sack yardage divided by the number of passing attempts and times sacked. So when you look at it, it's basically a breakdown that shows you how efficient a quarterback has been per each pass, but also giving the defense credit with them in the midst of that metric for how often they're able to push that offense back in the passing game by accruing sacks. So a defense that gets a lot of sacks, but then also doesn't allow a ton of yardage ends up forcing a very low net passing yard clip. And that's what the Saints did. Since 2017, Patrick Mahomes in total in this measure is over a yard further and a yard more than second place Aaron Rodgers, who has 7.33. Peyton Manning, Deshaun Watson, and Drew Brees all round out the top five. That's pretty far behind Patrick Mahomes in all of for all of those players. 
This season, Patrick Mahomes was averaging 7.9 net yards per attempt going into week 15 per EDJ, who helps us out with all of the game win chance percentages. That was the NFL's best coming into this game. And the Saints held him to 4.55 net passing yards this weekend, dropping his season average to 7.62. He's now in second place behind Aaron Rodgers for the season after that. That 4.55 notch, though, is less than Carson Wentz league worst average among qualifying quarterbacks, where he sits at 4.71. So the Saints effectively, in this metric, took Patrick Mahomes from Patrick Mahomes to a lesser version of Carson Wentz. And I think that that is important. That is very, very important. Now, the big difference is that Patrick Mahomes can do that and still score touchdowns. Not necessarily the case for Carson Wentz. So it doesn't really create a comparison between the two. But in terms of knocking him down in this metric, they knocked him down from historic to league worse. So just some context about how well the Saints defense played despite allowing 32 points in this game to the best quarterback they have faced all season. Now, one of the ways they did that was with the pass rush. So let's shout out a couple of players here. Carl Granderson, five total pressures with a 20.0 pass rush productivity grade per PFF, which is the highest in the NFL this week before Monday Night Football, with at least 15 pass rushing snaps. And he also had a pressure rate of 33.3. So he got a pressure on a third of his uh, on a third of his pressures uh, on his pass rush snaps. Uh, Trey Hendrickson ranked ninth in that pass rush productivity metric with six pressures and a 14.3 PRP, and it also included a pressure rate of of his own of 21.4%, so nearly a quarter of his pass rushing snaps did he generate pressure. The Saints forced uh, pressure on 24 of 54 of Patrick Mahomes' dropbacks. That's a massive 44.4% nearly half the time. They sacked him four times, forced three throwaways, hit him twice while throwing, and then there was also 11 completions. So they also had a batted pass as well on a non-pressure play. So that was 10 plays that were affected completely by the pass rush if you include the sacks, hit while throwing, the three throwaways, and then the batted pass, and then an additional 11 completions while under pressure. So you add in five pass breakouts by the secondary, and that's a phenomenal game by this defense. Five pass breakouts by the secondary. CJ Gardner-Johnson's got you covered. He only allowed four catches on 11 targets for 33 yards and three pass breakups on his own. He was credited with allowing a touchdown, but again, that came on the quick pass touchdown to Travis Kelsey, which I don't know. I think he was just essentially credited that by default because he was the guy that would have been lined up opposite him, but not a lot that he could do at the goal line with you know another three receivers running down his throat. Uh, Let's look at pass blocking now. We'll jump over to the offensive side for the Saints. Chris Jones only totaled two pressures in this game, both of which were hits. And the only sack that was given up actually came on an overload, a bit of a uh, corner blitz from Legereus Sneed, who had also picked off Drew Brees in the first half. The Saints offensive line was credited by only giving up 13 pressures, although Brees is credited as being under pressure for 16 snaps. So some of those, so at least three of those pressures weren't actually credited to the offensive line, running backs, tight ends, people, you know, the the protection. The player that gave up the most pressures in this game was Ryan Ramchek with five. Like I mentioned, he struggled a bit in this game. Uh, you saw two each given up by Andrews Pete and Teron Armstead, and then one by a few other players, including Cesar Ruiz, who played a really great game outside of the, the penalty on the screen pass, the holding penalty, where he was just trying to kind of trying to look like he was protecting uh, his receiver in a way. And then Alvin Kamara was also credited with that Legereus Sneed sack as well. And then now just to wrap us up, just some fun stats here. Longest completion, air yard pass, Patrick Mahomes, 30.9. Drew Brees, 
50.8. Shout out, Drew. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was 0 for 6 on 20 on passes that were more than 20 yards away from the line of scrimmage, beyond the line of scrimmage. So there were times where he threw for 30 air yards, but it's because he was behind the line of scrimmage by quite a margin and then was able to throw, you know, 15, 17 yards behind beyond the line of scrimmage from that spot. So that's how he gets the 30.9 air yard pass, but doesn't have any completions beyond 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. Marcus Williams was phenomenal in this game, and I hope. We'll see the injury report later today. I hope he's going to be all right. Drew Brees, two for six beyond the 20-yard mark from the line of scrimmage. So shout out to Drew Brees. Uh, No qualifying Chiefs pass. Rusher got within an average of four yards of separation to Drew Brees. Very good job by the offensive line. So the offensive line also hold the block for more than six seconds, which was really impressive there. That was the touchdown on the the outlet pass to uh, Latavius Murray, who also had a nice blitz, blitz pickup himself on that play. And then the best separators for the Saints in terms of wide receivers, Emmanuel Sanders, 2.78 yards, low Jordan Humphrey, 2.8 yards. They definitely missed guys like Michael Thomas and Deontay Harris in this one. So all right, y'all, that is going to wrap it up for our Analytics Tuesday episode. We'll be back tomorrow with our Film Watch Wednesday and our mailbag. So make sure you jump over to the Locked on Saints Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Locked on Saints. Join so you can get your questions in for tomorrow's episode. I'll pick five and then I'll try to answer the rest in the Facebook group. I have some catching up to do on that, but I will do it. I promise you. And then we'll take a look also and break down three impactful plays from the Saints loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you already know which ones they are, but we'll definitely dig deep there and I'll get you the update on any injuries and big, big injuries like the potential of not having Marcus Williams against receivers like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. That's pretty big. So we'll update all of that tomorrow and then we'll wrap up the week on Thursday with our crossover Thursday with Luke Braun of Locked on Vikings. I appreciate y'all as always for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe, drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support. And for helping me grow this family, this has been Locked on Saints and Trust Who That Nation. I'll holla at you.